Blog Talk Radio. You're entering the hive, the official podcast of Seek and Strike Collective, powered by Doral Motors. Here's your hosts, Seth and Chris. Welcome to Watch. My name is Seth Benoff. Sitting here with me tonight is Chris Walker, and together we are Seek and Strike. Chris, I'm super excited for tonight. This is our first podcast. We've been writing, covering New Mexico United for a while. Man, I can't thank you enough for giving, for putting all this together. Like you brought this team and has built it into what it is. You know, like what got you started in all this? Man, honestly, when we find out, when I found out we had a new professional soccer team, I mean, I was already stoked about just becoming a season ticket holder. I mean, you know, a little bit about myself, you know, I'm from California and I moved here 12 years ago. And, you know, of course, when you're a transplant and you move into somewhere new, you bring all your teams with you. Right. So all of my pro teams are California teams. So when I found out we were going to have a soccer team and I can kind of get on the front end of it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a United or a, a United fan for uh, New Mexico United rather. So, um, so that was the first start of it. And then it was like, well, I want to do some coverage. I want to write on this team. So it was like, okay, let's write. Um, the first vision of this, wasn't necessarily a podcast as well it was let's write first you know maybe build a team and kind of put it together from there it's been crazy um you know there's so much to do so it made sense to bring on other writers such as yourself Seth so I'm glad to have you and lately we've also added a broadcast director and Josh Carrillo and uh and Adam Nish for the photography yeah, no doubt. It's been crazy so far this season. You know, we've we've hit the ground running. You know, you talked a little bit a little bit about your background. You know, I'm originally from the Atlanta area. You know, grew up Braves teams, Falcons teams of the '90s. Um, really got into into soccer. You know, about five six years ago, and just dove head head first into it. And then Atlanta United came about. I've been out here in New Mexico for a decade now, and then our club, New Mexico United, was announced. And Watching the first couple of matches, I thought, "Where's the coverage of this club?" So I started writing, and I basically just kicked the door in open, kicked the door in over at ESPN Radio. Started writing for them, and you approached me, said, "Let's write, let's do this." And I said, "Let's do it," you know. So this has been awesome. Um, you know, it just we've gotten we've worked at the club now for a few weeks. We've gotten credentials. We've been in there. We've been at press conferences. You know, what we've got going on, we've got a lot of things that we want to do, and you're the man behind all this. You know, and this has just been so much fun for me. Yeah, this is great. I mean, um, it's overwhelming at times, right? Um, let's let's just talk about this last match, the Cinco de Mayo match. So much going on. Um, huge tailgates, right? Doral Motors and the Curse come together um, and create this huge ordeal. Um, amazing. 15,000 fans. Um yeah, it's just insane. Like, you know, you see MLS clubs struggling to get 
8,000 times at times. You know, I was looking at the MLS stats for this past weekend. Colorado pulled 10,000 fans. I think it was just over 10,000. And New Mexico United pulled 15, like I said, 15,000 or 15,000 fans. That's just crazy. I mean, for a, UL, a USL club to be pulling more than MLS, that just seems, I mean, I, I can't even believe it. This is truly a, if you build it, they will come scenario. I mean, I feel like if they had a bigger place, that it would just continue to fill up. Like everyone just wants to be there, and that's such a great um, thing for a brand new team. It really is, and what, you really have to hand it to the fans that, that have been coming out. The way the schedule has played out so far this year, I mean, we just came off of our first true homestand of the season. We had back to back to back down here. We've been on the road already for three plus for three matches at one point, and the club has to go on the road again, this time for a, a minimum four matches. I mean, there could be a fifth at the end of May, depending on how we do in the Open Cup. But the fan support coming out, I mean, we had over 8,000 people uh, in the stands on a midweek. We're number two in the league right now in average attendance. For, a, uh, for an expansion club, I think that's absolutely just incredible to get to the front office. We've we both spoken to club owner, CEO Peter Travisani at times, about the fan support and what the, and some of the things that the club is doing to get fans. And they're doing everything right. What's really amazing about the front office, from my observation, and what they've been doing is that there is a natural interest uh, for soccer in this state. Um, people are very pro-New Mexico, right? We've seen that with other teams like the Dukes, right? The Dukes hats are still being worn. And as I drive around the town now, I see those black and yellow magnets and stickers on cars. I see other folks with scarves on, with jerseys on. Just it's becoming this black and yellow thing. And it seems like at some point you're going to have this black and yellow uh, regal army happening. I mean, just to the point where every, everywhere you go, there's that going on. Um, what is interesting is that the club hasn't have to give away anything to get people in the stands. They haven't had to do any crazy promos like buy two season tickets and get two season tickets free. They haven't had to mark down the concessions. They haven't had to do these things because people naturally love soccer here. Yeah, well, that, you mentioned uh, crazy promos. I actually read something, I think it was two weeks ago. There was another U.S., I believe, USL championship club that was having people bring in barnyard animals to the stadium. They get like a half-price ticket or something. I don't remember the exact details of whatever the promo was, but, you know, it reminds me of back in the 70s when the Braves uh, first got owned by Ted Turner. They did all kinds of crazy things to get fans into the stadium. But you're absolutely right. This is just a nat- there's just a natural interest in this club. You know, at the press conference the other night, it was asked of Devin Sandoval. You know, Devin, obviously, UNM Lobo, uh, fan favorite, you know, someone that is really recognizable here in the state. And he even said, you know, he always knew that New Mexico could draw these kinds of crowds. And you, you talked about it just a second ago. If we had our own place, if we had a bigger stadium, you know, that's something that Peter Trevisani has come out and said. It's in the works, where we want to do it, I should say. Uh, it's maybe a few years down the road, but the thought is there. They're aware that there's a need to grow 
I think that I think that's a great idea, definitely to have a stadium. I think that we can't get too ahead of ourselves, and and I, I say that because we've got to settle in. We've got to just enjoy the times that are here now. Um, we're going to the games, okay? We're filing in. They're starting to be a little bit more experimental with the attendance, which is amazing. Um, we just have to enjoy the moment now. And I think if you start adding too many things to the mix, then it becomes hasty. Like, oh, we have to expand right away. Oh, we have to have this big stadium right away. Like, you know, um, I think what, what, what we have to do as, as fans of this team is we have to just be content um, as we're going through uh, these, these motions, these growing pains. Uh, obviously, the team is going to outgrow the stadium. It's, it's true. Uh, they will. Um, but, I mean, again, what a good problem to have. I mean, if, if you're in the front office and you're overwhelmed by the fact that the attendance keeps booming, I mean, wow. Like, you know, I just want to pat him on the back. Right. Well, you know, we talked to Peter the other night, and he said that they made the decision to cap the ticket sales where they were at for Cinco because they didn't want to diminish the fan experience. And having been to large sporting events in the past, that fan experience is so key. You know, you want people to keep coming back and experiencing everything that this club has to offer. And Cinco de Mayo is just such a crazy atmosphere. You know, the club opened the gates two hours early to accommodate the fans, to get as many people in before kickoff um, as they could, because that had been an issue in earlier matches. But with Cinco, I mean, they, it was an event. They wanted to do everything right. And they're looking forward from that, learning from the things that have happened so far. And we, I think we can expect another big crowd for the next home match, which, which is in June. Um, but before we get there, like, we've still got to focus on what's coming up next. You know, this week, this coming Sunday, we've got um, El Paso. You know, it's going to be a huge rivalry. Uh, at least, you know, that's how it's being built. You know, we've got, it's a four-hour difference, four-hour drive between the clubs. You know, there's already banter going back and forth on Twitter. You know, I mean, it, it's just it's just building into this thing, this big event. Man, talk about the banter for a minute. I feel like I have to pause and give a moment of silence for this banter that's going on. <laughs> oh, and and safe to say, and I'm sure uh, those that are on Twitter, definitely the, uh, the locomotive, or I guess they used to be called six six shooters. We we had fun with that. They'll know. Um, this this banter started as soon as these teams were announced. Once the schedules were announced, it was like both both fans of the teams were like, "Oh, those are easy wins. We already got those wins." And Look at the way the season has panned out. Now, I probably would say this, and this is probably, you know, this is probably a crazy thought, but I probably would have thought that El Paso and New Mexico would have been, like, neck and neck with each other throughout uh, the ranks. But I'm very surprised that for as passionate as the fans are um, and and how well this team was kind of portrayed to me on Twitter that they're sitting a little bit further down. I'm I'm kind of surprised. Well, you got to look at the stats, and the stats just really don't lie. El Paso did not have a good start to their season. They were 0-1-1. I'm sorry, 0-1-2 to start their season. Now, since then, they have come on a little bit stronger, but they're not 
a strong team. At least the stats don't bear it out. Their greatest strength is their defense. They've played eight matches so far. They've only conceded seven goals. Um, they, in those eight matches, they've also only scored eight goals. They're not a high-powered offense. They're, they're going to sit back. They're going to defend. And they're going to do everything they can to try to stop this New Mexico attack. You know, New Mexico on the season, we've already scored 22 goals in 10 matches. I, mean, I just don't see how El Paso can stop that. Santi! <laughs> Sorry, had to, guys. Oh, I, man. Get, I get emotional with the game, too. <laughs> we pay him to do one thing, and he does something else. Um, <laughs> no, you know, uh, you're right. I mean, the scoring differential is definitely very different. Um, we know that our team... And earlier in the season was definitely very defensive, um, scoring earlier in the games and then putting on a defensive front for 50-plus minutes. Um, and then, of course, that evolved into um, teams being able to come back in the final moments against the team. And so there's this idea that, um, that New Mexico was only playing first-half uh, football and, and then second-half you know, was a little bit sloppy. Um, of course, we dealt with the injuries over time, which, uh, as we mentioned, or have mentioned in, in written uh, recaps, that uh, Coach Troy Lassane would have to get really experimental with the roster that he did have, um, which was a lot of new faces, a lot of uh, players that didn't have a lot of minutes uh, in the USL. And, you know, I think that they definitely did pass that test maybe wasn't the results we wanted on the road, um, giving up draws the way we did. Uh, however, now the squad is healthy, and now we even have uh, our international uh, attack as well, the players that once had the visa issues that don't have them anymore and have since played. Yeah, you brought you bring up the players with the visa issues. You know, uh, Coach Troy talked about it over the past few weeks. Um, we finally had the visa issues resolved for – for Kenny Akamatsu, for Daniel Bruce, and for Ethan Sampson. Um, now, we've seen Kenny and Daniel in the matches, and um, they have looked – Dan, sorry, Daniel and Kenny, they've looked really well, really good in their matches. You know, they're both good on the ball. Um, Daniel has this uncanny ability to, to make plays both on the defensive and on the offensive side of, of things. I think going forward, those two are going to be huge for us. And once we can get Ethan into the lineup, I think he's going to uh, be rotating in and out, especially with the number of matches that we have coming up. Um, unfortunately, Ethan just hasn't gotten into the lineup, and coaches addressed that. You know, he said the, that the players, it's a, it's a very competitive environment. The best 18 are in the match every single, in the match day roster every single week. So it's just constant battles for these guys to get. They all want in. Coach said there's this desire for every single one of them to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that that is that is that is definitely a very interesting challenge uh, for Coach, just because, uh, like you said, uh, there are guys that are upset, right? They they want to play. They're disappointed. They want to play in front of the home crowd. I mean, it seems like New Mexico scores so much on the goal that's in front of the curse. So it must be that, that crazy fan support. Everyone wants to get, get a goal in on that side. Um, what is interesting, though, 
about the fact that you have a roster that has so many scoring threats, right? I mean, Coach has lately been doing different looks. He's had uh, he's had Chris Weehan kind of on the on the wide. He's had him inside. Right? He's had Devin and and Kev like on top. Yeah, the last match against San Antonio here at home, um, he's uh, with Dev finally being fully healthy, with Kevon being up up there. Um, you know that does push B's back and puts him out on the wing. You know, having him on opposite of, of Santi uh, creates all sorts of issues for for defenses, especially with the way that the club plays. And then having Devin Kev up front, and you saw it against San Antonio, that pressure that they put up there was causing all sorts of problems for the San Antonio back line. And the result of that, we really didn't see until the second half of last week, but with all that pressure we put in there, uh, you saw Santi and Chris making those runs in the second half. And that's what led to Beza's uh, brace. And you, I got to give you credit. Last week on Twitter before the match, you said that Beza was due for, was next up for a hat trick. And he very nearly got that. So I got to give you credit for that. Well, you know, I mean, they might just be calling me goal, goal Stradamus pretty soon. Um, Josh is back here giving a thumbs down to that one. Okay, oh, man. Something, it, better, something better than that. I'm sorry. It's a dad joke for a guy who's not a dad, okay? So check it out. But I just – I had to go on the record, okay? Uh, Chris Weehan has if – you, if you look at his story, right, we know that, you know, he played for UNM, and then he went on, and uh, he didn't get drafted in the MLS Super Draft. He ended up signing a contract with uh, Reno, Okay. So right right off the bat, he's got something to prove. Comes out, has a stellar season, right? Gets the assist title as well as um, rookie of the year. Then goes, you know, obviously next year to San Jose. You know, obviously we're fortunate. We get him here for uh, New Mexico United. And I believe that Chris is, uh, I believe he's tuning up. Um, in the last couple of games, I've been able to ask him, kind of where he's at, like where the altitude of his game is at. And, you know, he's, he's said that he is a uh, present in the moment. He is, um, you know, doing everything for the team. Um, but I think secretly inside, you know, he's revving up. I think that if you look at each game, he's either had a goal, he's been uh, very paramount in victories. And, and then this game, of course, the two goals. And yeah, I will go ahead and, and, and take the, uh, the credit for that, uh, that prediction. I, I'm going on the record still, though. I, I think Weehan is the next person to get <laughs> the hat trick, and and uh, I believe he's trolling me on Twitter too. I think he's trolling you on Twitter. Now. I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> well, you know, I can't blame you for that prediction. I mean, Bees is certainly finding his form. You know, that the form that you that gave him that rookie of the year performance. You know, the club as a whole. I mean, our attacking has gotten so much cleaner. We're finding those spaces, and we talked about the injuries. Uh, we've got everyone healthy. We've got our visa issues resolved. We, we're going to have so many different ways to attack the opponents that they're not going to know what to do. They already struggle dealing with, with Dev and Kev and Santi. You know, you got Dev and, I'm sorry, you got Santi and Kev who are tied for the golden boot race right now. You know, both of those guys have seven goals. Um, you've got Bees who's got, uh, I, think he's, I think he's got three on the season now. You know, I mean, we've got, we've scored 22 goals on the year. I mean, a couple weeks ago, Josh Suggs hit a banger from, from the top of the box, just r- rifled it in there. So we've got the long range. We've got the ability to score from up close. And we saw the pace that we've got 
on, especially on the wings last week. And that's something that we've done really well. We've got to keep doing. I think it's something that with, with the way that we play, trying to get that, those interactions between on the left-hand side, you've got Josh and you've got uh, Josh and Santi. On the right side, you've got Manny and Bees, or you've got Manny and, and Kenny. You know, I, I think Manny and Kenny could be absolutely killer on that right side. And that's something that we need to take advantage of next week at, at El Paso. I mean, I agree. I agree. I, I definitely would concur about uh, Suggs. And that guy is, he's got wheels. Um, he comes flying up the pitch, and he means business. Yeah, that doubt. Honestly, he's one of the best defenders I've seen in the USL. Uh, honestly, I think Josh could be on a few, of these, a few MLS clubs. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's that talented. You know, he, he is a very attacking-minded defensive player. But he's so good with what he does, you know, fitting into in the choice system. Their club is just really gelled, and they're really making it work, especially with the talent that we have. I mean, if, I have, if I've got a, have one negative about anything, it's that the club plays very uneven at times in our level of energy. Last week at San Antonio, we seemed, even though we got the early goal, we seemed flat for most of the first half. But as soon as it came out from the second half, it was all systems go. Like, we were just firing on all cylinders, we got the two goals from Bees there in the second half, and the club just looked night and day different. And that's something we've got to improve upon, especially against a team like El Paso, with how defensive they are, how good they are defensively. Well, you definitely can't take any teams lightly. I mean, in this first year as an expansion team, um, you know, there there isn't this long-term club history to where you can go, okay, well, this is how they play, and and oh, these are given wins and these are not. These are given losses. I mean, that is the thing that I see week to week. Is there's all these surprises. There's all these. Wow, that was a victory. They beat them. They lost to them. There's a draw here. There's a draw there. Like, it's all up in the air still. I well, mean, I mean, unless of course you're playing Colorado. But. True. That is true. Well, I mean, I mean, we don't have to play in the ice bowl, right? That is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's something that, that's been talked about by the players is the is the altitude here, the heat, the, you know, how it affects how everybody plays. You know, we talked to Sam last week, and he said that the club knew that if they could just keep that pressure on in the first half, that they would be able to break San Antonio in the second half. Now, going down to El Paso, we're going down to a lower altitude, but we're still going to have that dry heat. You've got to think that gives us a little bit of an advantage. I mean, looking at that, I mean, who would you see as, a, as being a player to watch for United this week? Oof. You know, I'd have to say I think that Kevon Freighter is going to have a good game. Um, I think that guy is just – he just powers through. Uh, he's just a beast, man. I mean, he's definitely been very underestimated. I mean, he's got a bigger frame, but he really plays on the ball uh, uh, appropriately as far as uh, when the ball's in the air, he comes up, and he's like there. He's got the speed, okay? Uh, obviously, he's got footwork. I think that we're really going to see – how our team does definitely in El Paso because the the temperature and the humidity is going to be different. Um, like you were saying, um, I think that we really have to see how, how our other team steps up. It might be a challenge for sure though. Um, yeah. I mean, given their defensive play, it's definitely going to be a challenge. You know, we mentioned that earlier that they've only conceded seven goals on the season. You know, so obviously it's going to be 
um, incumbent upon New Mexico to do what we do well. You know, get the ball in the space, get Santi in there. You talk about Kevon. Kevon's hold-up play from the beginning of the season to now has improved tenfold. His hold-up play is so good right now. I mean, I don't think there's any center back in the league that can contend with that. Um, yeah, just looking at El Paso's defensive effort and you know, who I think is going to be key for us, you know, I think we're going to see Santi. Because Santi's, if you've seen, you know, we've been watching Santi, he's got tremendous footwork. He's the ball. And even when he's not scoring goals, we see him making plays. And that's key for any club. You know, even if, even if goal scorers aren't the ones that are actually putting the ball in the back of the net, they're spreading the ball around. They're taking that attention. I mean, I've seen Santi make runs that pull the attention of opposing teams. He did it last week against, against San Antonio. Um, right before B scored his, his first goal, he, Santi came, went down the left channel, pulled the defender with him, and because of that pass back to the middle of the beast, uh, Cardone, the, the San Antonio keeper, came off his line, leaving the goal basically wide open. And that's one of the things that Santi does so well, is he attracts that attention and makes everyone else around him play that much better. You make, you make a good point there for sure. Um, there, there, there definitely is a part of their strategy to want to uh, double down on, on Santi as well. Um, we've seen teams do it. We've seen teams put their strongest defenders uh, in the center uh, as center fullbacks just because um, our team likes to strike that way. I mean, we have thugs that comes from the back, right? So I think the I think that this week, obviously, El Paso is going to be looking to double down on Santi Moore. They're also going to be looking to figure out uh, Kevon Freider. Uh, I think the cool thing about uh, Coach has been doing is he's been putting um, them in different positions. I mean, if you saw in this last game at San Antonio with Freider, he was up top. They also dropped him back um, into the uh, into the the back of the back line at times as well. And that may also have been a strategy to kind of get him out of um, any sort of scrum that was uh, occurring because you know Freider is still sitting with uh, four options. You know, and so um, they are trying to use them to the fullest. Yeah, that's been a concern. You know, Kevon sitting on those four. I mean, honestly, I thought he he got lucky that he didn't get another card last week. Um, but you know, like you said, you know, there's he's finding ways to play. Coaches finding ways to get him involved without giving up that that card. I mean, if we lose Kevon for a week, I mean that's going to be bad for us no matter what. You know, whether it's you know next week or or at any point, you know, losing any guy, especially with the ro- with a roster the size of ours, it's going to be detrimental to us. You know, I, it, it's just. But at the same time, El Paso's got um, James Kiff. James Kiff, I think it's James Kiff. He's sitting on four cards as well. So that's he's one of their defenders. That's a, a point where a point of attack for New Mexico this week. Can we get pressure on him? Can we force that that bad foul? Um, I mean, unfortunately, unless he gets a red. Won't necessarily affect us this week, but you know, keep it's something that New Mexico's done well all season is keeping that pressure on. And you're looking at El Paso, their goalkeeper, uh, Logan Ketterer, has been one of the top keepers in the league. Um, you know, his, his save percentage is a little bit lower than Cody's, but he's also faced far fewer shots. El Paso has only allowed 21 shots so far this season. Wow. 
And of those 21, only 14 have been on target. So, you know, that's where we talk about the seven goals conceded. But that just goes, that speaks to the defense in front of him. You know, led by Jerome, I think it's Jerome. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. I mean, they've got close to a, I think they've got over 70 clearances so far this year. Jerome alone has got eight interceptions, two blocks, and 33 clearances. I mean, this defensive back for El Paso has just been sound all year long. And we've got to find a way to disrupt that. Who do you think is going to, okay, if they have any scoring threats at this point, who do you think is going to be the person who's going to be notching goals? I mean, obviously they're looking for uh, Derek to be someone who's a threat as well, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, we talked about, I mentioned earlier, they've only scored eight goals on the year. I mean, they've got uh, Keyswetter, they've got Gebhard, um, both with two. I mean, those look to be possibly their, their biggest threats. I mean, it's, like I said, it's really hard to say because they haven't really shown us a lot as far as what they can do. Um, one player that we do need to keep an eye on is, um, I'm sorry, excuse me, Sebastian Contreras. He's been their top chance creator so far this year. He's up there with Josh on, in terms of chances created. He's got 16 chances on the year. So I think if we can contain him in the midfield, and that's going to fall to Juan Pablo. That's going to fall to Manny to help contain him and keep him from uh, creating those chances up, up top. So here's my question for you then. So with El Paso being a very defense, uh, defensive strength sort of team, let's just go down this road a little bit. If El Paso is able to hold our guys to like a low scoring game, right? So mainly they play good defense. They're able to hold us to whatever it is, a one one zero a one one nil um first half or even uh evened up. Um what what do you think it's gonna take for us to openly ultimately like uh blow open the game? Like what are we gonna need to do? Like what what kind of first half do you think we're gonna have, I guess is my question. What kind of first half think well I wanna see us come out with a lot more energy than what we had against San Antonio. I mean, we just, you know, we've gotten so accustomed seeing uh, United with that heavy press up top. You know, we kind of backed off from that a little bit, and I think it was more so a little bit of indecision or un- uncertainty as to what exactly um, needed to be done. But once the once Dev and Kev realized, hey, we've got to really be up there in these guys' faces, it turned the entire match around. You know, we've seen a, we've seen United. Uh, create forced errors off of off that pie You know, we've got to find ways to get Santi in that open space on the left-hand side. And that's one of the things that we do so well is you know, Josh making those runs. Um, and Coach has spoken to it before, inverting our center backs. They do things that other center backs don't do. By pulling, uh, by getting our center backs inverted, it opens up that space on the side to where Santi can make moves. You know, we saw it last week against San Antonio. That press, the continued ball movement, it really opened up, especially on the left-hand side. We play so well down the left. Like, they just, San Antonio just couldn't deal with it. If we can keep up a similar 
play style and forced El Paso into making those mistakes to missing and missing those reads, it's going to open up those chances for us. And I think if we can also get, I don't know if we'll see it yet, uh, if we'll see Kenny or, or, or Daniel on the right-hand side again, I mean, those guys, they're talented. They really are. I want to see those guys get more, more game time. You know, I mean, it's been said, you know, coach has said that in practice, none of the guys like competing as Daniel because he's just that much of a competitor. And he showed flashes. You know, he got his first shot on, on goal last week. And Kenny got one the week before. Those guys are going to be dangerous. Well, coach is even saying that, that Kenny is a threat and that he's going to be a dangerous weapon in the USL. He's a rookie. Like he's a rookie, and that's one of the biggest things. He's going to develop, and so is Daniel. So are the, all these guys are developing within this system. Coaches found a way to unlock the talent of these guys, and they're performing at a high level right now. And I just I don't see El Paso stopping it. As good as they are defensively, I just don't see it happening. Well, and you just hope that along the lines of a well-played game for New Mexico that uh, that there just aren't those inefficiencies that come up later in the game, as we've seen before with uh, teams scoring late goals or, um, you know, getting turned around or over pursuit, leaving balls out um, in the open for the other team to just come through and just take the shot. Um, Unfortunately, that's something that the club has done really well, at least over the past few weeks they've improved upon. We haven't really seen those bad back passes. You know, there might have been one or two early on. You know, we've seen better play out of the back. We've seen better decision-making. Um, we've seen uh, better defensive efforts in the second half. Early on, that was something we, we struggled with a lot. I mean, we've, we had given up a, a quite a few number, quite a few goals in the second half of matches. And you know, after last week and against the match uh, against uh, uh, Salt Lake, our defensive effort, especially in the second half, being able to close out matches, has improved tremendously. We just have to ha- have it consistently now. So let me ask you this, Seth. Um, since since I've obviously gone on record and made predictions, um, I want to ask you, uh, who do you think this week scores the goals for New Mexico? Oh, who has going to score? Oh, man. Um Oh, Josh has got an answer. Josh is gonna, oh, I yes. think Josh is going to score a goal, right? Yes. Um, I, I, I got a score for you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be New Mexico, four, okay? El Paso, one. Four to one. All right. Who's going to get a goal? I think, uh, think Santi's going to get a goal. Kevon's going to get a goal. Uh, Weehan's going to get a goal. And then we're going to see one from uh, a player. Probably we – I don't know. I don't, I don't know who the fourth one's going to be. Maybe Weehan gets two, but I think either Weehan or Kevon's going to get two. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a hat trick like uh, Sir Chris over here is, is mentioning, but uh, I'm calling for it. Just to let you guys know, too, uh, anybody that's listening, you can text. The text line is open. You can call us at 505 652 We will be seeing you next, and uh, we'll get back to the guys. So back to your question, Chris. Who, where do I think the goals are coming from? I mean, I like, I like Josh's prediction for one. I mean, I, it's entirely possible. I, I think – and I would love to see us just go in and blow these guys out. And El Paso's, uh, you know, the eighth notch clear, just kind of not saying anything for like a week. I mean, those guys are fun, but, you know, it's, I, I take personal offense to being called a plastic fan. You know, I would love for us to go in and just 
get a clean sheet against them and go up and be like 3-0, 4-0, something. But I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be tough you know, with, with the defensive efforts. I think it's going to be 2-1. And I think we're – I think – if he's in the lineup, I think we see Kenny with a goal. His, his, his open his account, his professional first career professional goal. I think Santi gets back on the sheet as well. So I'm going to this game. I'm going to be uh, taking the drive down to El Paso. Deep in enemy territory. Uh, I'm going to have to like have to wear white, and you know I love wearing black. It's, it's a good thing that the kit is white, right? We yeah. just do the whole on white thing. Definitely. Uh, it's it's gonna be sticky. Okay, I just hope that the goals. <laughs> I just hope that the goals stick to the back of the net. And you're right about the the banter on on Twitter. We we've been trying to stay away from it for a minute, but um, gosh, if 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 the game was just about Twitter itself and not about actually playing the game on the pitch, my gosh, I'm not sure who's got the high score. I have to give it to. I have to give it to Eighth Notch just a little bit, right? I mean, they definitely probably have had some funny. Well, I mean, fun. just looking at the activity alone, I mean, Eighth Notch is really outclassing us as far as and the banter, you know. But I mean, they probably score two goals by themselves, right? Because they definitely have had some good ones. But I gotta then say that they're still riding very high on the uh, the city dumpster truck that we have. Yeah. They're still riding high on some of these jokes. I mean, some of the guys haven't advanced past the beginning of the season where the schedule was announced. Um, you got, you just got to come, you got to come with something new, you know? And, and well, uh, yeah, that's all I kept hearing. The same thing, like, plastic fans, plastic fans over and over again. It's like, come up with something new guys. You know? Well, I mean, deep, deep down. Right. I mean, they say plastic fans, but ultimately, I think that if they had the sort of backing that New Mexico had, that they'd be riding high with it too, and yeah. you know, and they they would find something else. I mean, reality is that this is going to be a good rivalry. We've been really trying to probably make it that on Twitter, but I have to say that I was really surprised that Tulsa jumped up and became this team that was neck and neck with New Mexico for a little while. I really did expect it to be El Paso. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised this week, you know, again, like they, they are starting it up on Twitter. It really is heavy. I can't wait to get there. Um, but we didn't get a seriously loco podcast this week. Um, you know, I, I'd expect that they are working on a nice post game uh, show um, so I guess, you know, we gotta, I guess, I guess, you know, that that's probably coming around the corner. So as much as, as much as they're on Twitter saying what they're saying, that there's probably a lot of backlash coming. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Wasp podcast right here on block talk radio. When we come back, the guys will discuss the next coming game. So join us. We'll be right back.
welcome back to the Seek. Oh, excuse me. Welcome back to the Seek and Strike podcast. We are going to be discussing now the next future games and the Twitter battle between the New Mexico United and the El Paso Locos. We want to hear you guys' phone call, so make sure you guys or text. Excuse me. We want to hear you guys' text at five zero five six five two thirteen eighty eight. And now back to Seth and Chris. Thanks, Josh. So yeah, just to finish up the discussion about this banter that we've been having. I mean, Chris, you and I both kind of gotten into it a little bit. I had a little bit of back and forth with the guys at Nate's Notch today. And you know, it, it's great to have this kind of rivalry. It really, every, I think every club needs that rival. But when we're doing this, and one thing I saw today on Twitter is that it kind of, the, some of the comments that were being made, and I'm not directing this at Nate's Notch, or the curse, or it's just in general. A couple we, of the comments. We love you guys. We yeah. love you guys. Like we want to build this with you guys, and we're all one big soccer community. Some of the comments went a little overboard. You know, that's not what soccer is about. It's about inclusion and community and building up this sport that we've all invested time and and, and our energy and our emotions into. You know, so if you're gonna do, I have encourage everyone to to be active in these communities but keep it clean keep it respectful yeah i got a story on that <laughs> i got a story on that uh you know yeah it's uh it is cool to be able to get on twitter and to be able to talk with another soccer fan and be able to exchange a little trash talk and we have we have we have um but again yeah it never should go Also, toy jokes for uh, New Mexico. Um, I believe one of the memes is a, a Mike Tyson meme. I'm gonna have to say what it is. The person who posted it, whoever hears the show, will probably know what that one's about. Um, but like, they have their choice ones, okay. And then of course we have ours. So so one time I think I mentioned something about about a wall, and one of the guys was like, "Oh man." Anything but that. And I was like, you know, you're right. So we, we scale back, you know. I think we just like to talk about El Paso. I think one of my favorite one of my favorite uh banters or favorite like choice quotes for for El Paso is probably uh the the El Pollo Loco. Um uh, that's probably my favorite one. Uh just because Josh Tegan said no over oh, here. Oh that's stealing our stuff, man, but we got to get a comeback going on here. Cause, <clears throat> did you guys discuss like how this all started? I mean, really, I the way I saw it was that um, leading up to this week, um, Nate Notch put out a tweet that had a photo of uh, Tim Keller here in Albuquerque standing in front of the branded dump trucks uh, for New Mexico United. And so just kind of, and from there, the curse jumped in on it and just kind of went from there, you know. I, and finally, yesterday, um, Mayor Keller's office finally responded to putting out a tweet. And we've seen the club come out and say something to the effect of, sorry, we couldn't hear you over our 15,000 closest fans, something to that effect. So even, even the club's gotten in on it, you know. So it, it is, like I said, it, it's going to be a good rivalry. We just have to show that level of respect for each other. Well, check it out. So for those that are going to the game, like I said, myself included, 
So we're sitting in in section 216. Or I should say that's probably one section that we're sitting in. You sure you want to give away where you're going to be at? Oh, wait. You know, well, <laughs> there, there, there are obviously more sections, right? I mean, I shouldn't. I, it is what it is, right? I mean, He's tall and black, and he'll be wearing a white United jersey. He drives a blue Toyota. Look at this guy. Oh, we, we pay this guy for something, but we pay him in pizza. So anyways, uh, no, you know, we're going to obviously be there. We're going to be loud for our team. I mean, none of the stadiums that our team has traveled to have been super packed like ours. So uh, crowd participation really hasn't been a factor. Uh, but, you know, we're going to this game. It's going to be cool. Um, of course, you're going to have our section and you're going to have their section. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of back and forth. Um you know, I, I just think it's going to be a good time, you know. And, yeah, it should be. How, let me ask you this. How many, because of how close and proximity the two clubs are, how many fans do you think are going to travel? I mean, this, is, this isn't like driving to Phoenix or to Colorado. I mean, this is four hours. I mean, we've seen MLS clubs travel with thousands of fans. We've, we've heard that there's been pretty good turnout from United fans traveling to a few of these closer matches like Phoenix. What do you think the turnout is going to be for our fans in El Paso? Wow. Okay, that's an interesting question. I mean, well, I think this, and I'll, I'll 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 cap it at this. I think that if they have a sellout game, it's because we brought people. <laughs> I like that. I like that prediction. So. Hey guys, we got a couple of questions for you on the text line here. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, we got uh, it doesn't tell me their names, unfortunately, okay. but. The, uh, it, the first question is, guys, loving the podcast so far. A couple questions for you. Uh, first off, when are we expected to see uh, Schmidt back? Um, has there been any announcements or word on that? And how do you guys feel about the draw against Phoenix for the Open for the Cup? All right. Oh, great questions there. Um, so let me start by saying uh, I've spoken to our source at the club. Um, Schmidt is uh, has been told by the club that he can – uh, that take as much time as he needs. Uh, we were not given a timeline on his return. Um, the club, it, you know, obviously, obviously misses him. You know, it, it's just everyone's thoughts and feelings and prayers are, are there with Schmitty and his family um, after the tragedy with his father. Um, I haven't seen any updates um, from the GoFundMe um, about uh, how his mom's doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we certainly don't want to rush him back. Whenever he's ready, he'll be back. Um, and then, as far as the draw goes, I mean, it, I mean, it, so our, with the U.S. Open Cup, they they do their draws. They, have, they actually have rules for draws. Um, the biggest thing for them is um, geographical location. Um, so we were always going to get paired up in the first matchup with a club either from Texas or Phoenix or. Colorado.
Sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. We are back with We Are Seeking Strike podcast. Back to your hosts, Seth and Chris. All right, so we're back. Sorry about that. We're not entirely sure what happened. Looks like our internet might have dropped for just a second. Um, for those of you listening, listening live, we apologize. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, you won't notice anything. So um, I'm not entirely sure where our connection dropped out, but back to the question. We're talking about the draw um, against Phoenix. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, it, geographically, uh, the U.S. Open Cup looks at geographical locations. So it was always going to be Phoenix or someone in Texas or someone in Colorado, most likely. Um, I mean, we went and drew with them 3-3 in our first match. Tough match. You know, both sides played really well. Um, I think that we got a good chance. I mean, um, Phoenix is – let me pull up the standings just real quick. I don't know where they're at at the moment, but um, – They play well against us, and you know we've we've grown since then. I think it's going to be a much better match. And like I said, um, you may or may not have heard it. We're going to have a preview going up on our website, uh, SeekAndStrikeCollective.com, on either Monday or Tuesday. Um, so we'll have a, a full preview for that later. Phoenix is not doing well. They're sitting 15th in the stand, in the table right now. So, I mean, they're a talented club. I think it'll be good, Chris. Well, if you remember this match from when it was, this is uh, about the time that Santi Moore was heating up. He had two goals in that game. Uh, Kevon Freder as well had a goal in that game. And that's when they had Carter up front. Again, in this, of course, this is his former club, Phoenix Rising. I think that they're playing Phoenix. Um, I couldn't imagine who else it could have been. It could have been El Paso. That would have been crazy. Two games in a row like that. Um, however, the fact that this Phoenix is great, uh, if you think about the club earlier on, they were still they were still trying to be cohesive as a unit. Uh, they were dealing with some injury then. Now you have a stronger team that has got some uh, mileage together. They're obviously road tested. So to go to Phoenix and to be able to play this club again a lot sooner than when their second regular season match is due, that's going to be a very great situation. I think the biggest issue for us going into the Open Cup is going to be the timing and the location of the matches. I mean, we already had a three-match road trip scheduled for May, and now we've got a fourth game that's going to be thrown in there on short notice. Um, and if we win, we're going to have a fifth game in May that's going to be on the road most likely. But I think we've our club has gelled. They've figured out the system more, and we're going to be able to – really take it to Phoenix and especially on a more on a better defensive effort. Well also consider this too. When when Devin played for uh RSL when they played in the open cup, they played against Phoenix Rising, right? Um, I believe so, yeah. And Devin scored many goals in that game. He was actually the player with the most goals. So I think it's very fitting that Devin is playing again against Phoenix Rising in the U.S. Open Cup. I think that is going to be a killer time. It's definitely, I would imagine, would have to have some feels attached to it because it's like, hey, I played you several years ago, you know, a version of the team. 
And here it is again. So that's one narrative. And then, of course, Gabon Freider and his former club. But now we have more threats. Yeah, I, I think no matter what, it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, so we're running short on time now. Uh, so before we wrap up the show, uh, I did want to bring one thing up. You know, We're going to call this segment Beyond the Touchline. Ooh, I like that. All right. So I, if you've been watching the matches, if you've seen my Twitter feed lately, there have been some questionable handball or non-handball calls. Um, it, we've also seen some issues with MLS and VAR. I mean, Pro just came out today and said that there were calls in the past two DC United matches that should not have gone to VAR. To VAR. Now, I spoke to someone in the club two weeks ago after, um, after the Portland match, and the, the feeling I got was that they were hoping that VAR was coming to USL. Personally, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of it in the World Cup last year. I think MLS, for the most part, has done a pretty good job with VAR, and it's been implemented pretty well. Do you think USL needs it? Well, you know, if they get that, I mean, obviously, that first year is probably going to suck. Just kind of go ahead and put that one out there, right? Um, We know it's going to have its its technical... um, difficulties there's going to be a lot of calls that are controversial i'm not really sure though like i guess i'd I'd have to look some more into it though i just i don't know i think when you start adding so many more of these things into the game that it seems to really change the way that the game plays yeah i mean it definitely can and you know the last two matches for dc united it certainly played a pivotal role in those two matches you know one of them they had a goal called back that benefited them the other one, they had a goal called that. Um, yeah. So, and VAR, no system perfect. I mean, but USL's got to look into what are the financial limitations, what are the actual technical limitations, you know, to implementing this system. So I think it's a discussion worth having. I don't know if USL is having that discussion. Uh, but I think it is something that should be looked into. And I want to put the question, uh, we've got a, we're going to have a Twitter question, we're going to do a Twitter question for you guys. We'll put it on the Facebook on Twitter. What's your thoughts? Do you think USL needs VAR? Send those questions, send those, um, your responses and thoughts from that, um, either on Facebook, you can get us on Instagram, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we are at SeekAndStrikeNM, SeekAndStrike. Uh, on uh, on Instagram, and I think we're going to start on Facebook as well. We're going to have a Facebook. Okay. So I've now, I've now <laughs> created a Facebook um, Or you can hit up Chris or myself individually on Twitter, um, on our personal Twitters. Um, so let us know your thoughts. Now, we did get a question on Twitter. This one comes from Corinne. Aaron, I believe it is, uh, but he goes by Ren. He says, uh, from what you've seen, how has the team affected the community? I know we talked a little bit about it on the top of the show, but it's worth revisiting. So I think the way, the team, I think the way this team has affected the community is that's really given our community a sense of pride, okay? Um, everyone loves going to the game. They just love the fact the team is 
very passionate about the game, that the team is very passionate about the state as far as how they um, are very heavily, uh, they have a heavy presence in the community. I mean, obviously, you know, the team now is doing like a high-performance program, so there's that sort of thing. There's the clinic that they did before the season. Um, they have a huge presence when it comes to different initiatives. Um, you know, pretty soon we've got uh, Pride on the Pitch Night. We, we just had APS Teacher Appreciation Nights. Um, the United definitely is doing um, everything to make sure that they recognize so many different groups that have a uh, pivotal presence in our community. Um, I think the way that it even affects uh, me personally um, is it, it pushes me to want to strive uh, to do better. Um, and, you know, and so, uh, you know, prior to this podcast, the other thing I should probably add is that, you know, I was probably on a creative block. So to be able to um, think up a podcast and even a written uh, blog and then see it come to fruition, I'd say definitely the New Mexico United has affected Seek and Strike because here we are launching a pod and uh, adding one more uh, platform for not only the diehard soccer fans that are out there, but even for the people that are new that are just trying to uh, get a grasp of the sport and understand uh, the rules and understand uh, understand um, more of the culture. So I, I think it's I think it's a positive effect. And and Ren, I thank you for that question. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much for all the questions tonight. Um, we will continue to open up um, the text line when we record our pods. Uh, we would ask, you know, put your name in there so we can uh, acknowledge who you are. We'd love to do that because uh, we want to give everyone credit for, for the questions that they're asking. Um, so we are running out of time, guys. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight, for listening. Um, pod will go live on all streaming services, iTunes. We're working on it. <laughs> I'm working, so pod, most likely Spotify, Spotify. By, by the end of the night, yeah. All right, so the pod will be out there, will be available. We will let you know through our Twitter uh, when that is out there for you to download and consume uh, on demand. Um, so thank you, guys. Again, thank you for being here tonight. Chris, thank you for being here. This has been a lot of fun tonight. So awesome. Um, be sure to hit a, follow us wherever we're at. We mentioned our Instagram and our Twitter. We're at Seek and Strike and M. We're on Instagram. At, uh, we're Seek and Strike. Um, uh, let's see what, what Chris and I both have personal Twitters. If you want to follow us there as well. Um, but yeah, just keep an eye out. Seek and strike collective.com. Uh, subscribe, follow us. If you just subscribe to the blog, you will get every update as they go live. And we are planning on putting out exclusive content for blog subscribers. So get out there and just, you know, support this club, support this state and guys. Somos Unidos. Somos Unidos. And thank you guys for tuning in to the Wasp Podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss what happened with the United in the El Paso. Make sure that you guys subscribe and you'll get all the details. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Wasp Podcast. Take care, everybody. The V is the V, and that's all, folks.